Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. I am joined, as always, by Mr. Grant Mona every single week. And Mr. Steve Carpy Carp, how are you doing? Good, good. Busy week in Vegas. A uh, very successful one, except for the Aces yesterday. So I was actually going to lead with that. Thank you so much for just making our, all of our jobs so much easier, Carpy. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of, <laughs> kind of a disappointing weekend, right? Thinking that the Aces are going to sweep and uh, bring back that trophy again in three games. Um, what do you think that they need to do? Are, is the Liberty back? Is this, you know, troublesome? Are we thinking game, you know, game four, they're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, what, mm. What's up with the Aces? Well, the big question is uh, Chelsea Gray's availability. And if she is available for game four Wednesday, just how effective can she be playing with the uh, some sort of ankle or, or foot injury she suffered in the fourth quarter on Sunday because she's not only important to what they do offensively, but she's the smartest player on the court for the Aces. And if they can't have her, and you're asking Alicia Clark and Kia Stokes to kind of step things up, I think they're in trouble. So let's see if she can play Wednesday. I mean, that's that's kind of on the concerning end if you're really – because I, I feel like this team is extraordinary – at least for me, is extraordinarily complete. Um, and it's like football, right? You miss one piece, all of it falls apart. Um, so what yeah. what are what are we thinking? Is she – like, are there reports that she is going to come back? Is there – is this we just so know. on the fence? Yeah. Becky Hammond was very – non-committal after the game when she was obviously asked about the extent of Chelsea's injury. But look, you know, you saw her try to limp back to the locker room on on ABC and then, you know, she, she kind of fell and they had to pick her up and take her to a different room. It looks a bit slapstick from the WNBA standpoint to me. That all being said, you got to give the Liberty a lot of credit for readjusting several areas about how they defended people, how they ran their offense. Brianna Stewart showed up finally. Uh, the Aces still don't have a clue as to how to slow down John Quell Jones. And look, you know, New York is a good team. They weren't about to lay down and roll over for the Aces. So, I, I thought the Aces going in the I told Andrew Hernandez this after the game. 
on Wednesday that I thought the momentum the Aces had built was too much for the Liberty to overcome, even playing at home. But obviously, I was wrong. And this thing is probably coming back to Vegas on Friday. Yeah, I was, I was just going to ask you, Steve, like, do you see, like, let's say Chelsea Gray's out for the rest of this series because it looked pretty bad. I mean, that, that ankle injury looked pretty bad. She wasn't putting any weight on it. So do you think, even without Chelsea Gray, that this Aces, I mean, obviously they have enough talent to get by, but obviously it's not going to be as easy as these first two games where the Aces looked like the better team by far. Without Chelsea Gray, how does that change not just their philosophy, but how they play? Because um, I know you mentioned that you know defensively she's, she's a stalwart, but just how they play, that attitude, that mentality that they bring with Chelsea Gray in there, do they have to change anything or do they just play their same game and kind of hope for the best? I don't know that they can change at this point, Grant, because you're asking people who are not accustomed to playing a major role to step in and do that. And I'm talking about Alicia Clark, who came off the bench. It was the sixth player of the year in the league. And, and Kia Stokes, who starts, but she has a supportive role, not a, she's not a main cog in the way the Aces play. So where is that going to come from? It's like asking your hockey team that's playing two men down all the time to go ahead and score and play offensive hockey. It's hard. So, all right, you're asking then, can Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum and Jackie Young kind of raise their games enough to offset what the Liberty has done? And that means slowing down Stewie. It means somehow trying to contain John Claude Jones. It means not letting Sabrina Inescu wake up from her snow white slumber. And I don't know that they can do that. I, I just think Chelsea Gray does so many things on the floor for this team that to not have her available really puts the Aces in a, in a tough, tough spot. That said, you know, maybe maybe Asia Wilson says, come on, jump on my back. I'll take this to the finish line. Could be. She's that good. Uh, again, Carpe, you are just segueing us over and over. It's, again, making all of our jobs so much easier. Um, bringing up hockey. Bring, um, want to talk about the uh, Golden Knights. Uh, want to talk about the Golden Knights and their just dominance um, so far. Um, we obviously all know that they are favored to win the Cup. Um, this season again, um, but how do you see that? It's it's so early, right? I think this is why. Like, I know I'm going uh, putting the card against uh, up before the horse. I think that's what the saying is. Um, they play the star tomorrow. What are your predictions for that game? Well, it'll be their biggest test so far. The good news is they're going to get Brett Howden back. They may have Alex Petrangelo ready. I'll know more today after I go to practice over at uh, City National, and they may even have Will Carrier back. So that would help kind of stabilize their, their forward lines, and getting Petrangelo back on defense is big because the Stars are a really, really good team. They, they play 
four lines that can all create offense and score. They have a really good goalie, Jake Ottinger. The defense with Heiskanen and a couple of the other guys they've had. And they're well coached. You know, Pete DeBoer, I, I still maintain, for all the success Bruce Cassidy had last year in bringing them and winning the Cup, I still felt Pete DeBoer did not deserve to be fired because of all the injuries they had the year before. All right, so all that said, the Knights are off to the start. They wanted, the schedule certainly helped playing San Jose and Anaheim, two of the weaker teams in the Pacific. But Seattle's supposed to be a contender. And the, the weird thing is that you've got 10 different guys who've scored goals so far. All right. And usually it's like the top line, it's Eichel, it's March or so, it's Barbashev. They're getting contributions up and down the lineup. All right. Jonas Rondeberg scored, that was an empty netter on Saturday against the Ducks. But, you know, they're getting contributions throughout the lineup. And when you see that, and, and Shea Theodore played very well, and the goaltending's been really good so far. So you put all those components together, there's been no drop-off from last year. And and I think, you know, I know the Stars will be ready to play. I'm sure the Knights will be ready to play. I'm going to be there. It's going to be, I think, a heck of a game. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see the, the Knights play this year, just coming off of the Cup, the confidence that they have, um, just seeing how they can... How they can you know use that for their advantage? Um, I want to switch gears to the Raiders um, because a lot of people, you know, they thought the Raiders would be kind of bad this year. They thought, you know, hey, you, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not moving the needle. I was one of the ones that said this team's going to surprise some people. They're going to be better than people expected. They're not going to be one of the worst teams in the league. And so far, they're you know, obviously the first couple games they didn't look very good, but after that. The Raiders have kind of gotten it together. I know they played the Patriots, and we could say whatever we want about the Patriots. And Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt once again. But this team is piecing together some wins that they really shouldn't have been winning. And the record isn't as bad as you know people thought. So I just want to get your thoughts on, on the Raiders' development, I guess, so far this year. Hey, they're 3-3. Three and three, Right. Second place in the AFC West. Right. Their defense is starting to come alive. They're, they're coming up. Big in, in the big moments, you know, you got to give them credit. Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, who has been under tremendous heat, along with Josh McDaniels. He's finding guys to come through and make plays, and that's, that's what this is all about. You've got to be able to find ways to stop the other guy. All right? Now, granted, Mac Jones is really... <laughs> having a tough COVID and, and, you know, the Patriots are not the Patriots that we all know and remember. That That's just the reality of it. But for the Raiders, they were 1-3. They were looking like they were in big trouble. People were starting to think, well, maybe they'll lose the rest of them and they'll get Caleb Williams and that'll solve their, their quarterback issues. So what happens? Brian Hoyer, who hasn't played all year, he's 35, 7 years old, whatever he is, comes in, hits Trey Tucker on a 48-yard you know, pass on a post pattern. It leads to a field goal, and he does a good job off the bench. 6 of 10 for 102 yards, 
No sacks, no picks. Plays a clean game. Runs the offense, moves the chains, kills time on the clock. I'm not saying Brian Hoyer's the answer going forward, and I'm not saying Aiden O'Connell's the answer going forward. But what I will say is that they've got enough things going on that they can figure out how to compete and stay in games and win a few. So they're going to Chicago on Sunday. Who knows if Justin Fields is playing for the Bears? He's got a thumb issue. He may try to play with it. He, he may be out. Who knows? But what I do know is, with or without Garoppolo, the Raiders have enough going on right now on the good side of things that they can at least get over 500 heading to Detroit the following week. Gee, hey, before you before you go, I just want to say, like, Steve, you're, you're right on point. But I think the, the biggest thing is that this team's finally finding that like that Las Vegas Raider identity. They're trying they're starting to find out what kind of team they are. Obviously, you bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, you add some pieces here and there to begin the year. It's not going to be smooth. No team is smooth to begin the year unless you're Patrick Mahomes or you're one of these top teams. They're starting they they always had the talent. They had Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, they got Jacoby Myers, Jimmy Garoppolo, whatever you want to say about it. They always had a good amount of talent on paper. They just kind of had to put it together. And Steve, you're right. Like they play the Bears next week. You don't even know if Justin Fields is going to play. That I wouldn't say that's a gimme, but that's a, a game that you could win as well. So now you could be four and sure. three at, it, it, with a record that nobody thought they would be four and three at this point. You know, a, a lot of people thought they'd be one and five, whatever it may be. So the the direction they're going in, you say, okay, fine. I don't care what kind of wins we're getting. We're getting wins. I don't care if you win by one or you win by ten. They're winning. Yeah, and, and you know what? They finally eclipsed the twenty point barrier for the first mm-hmm. time. Yeah, sure. Safety, you know, in the final couple of minutes, but they managed to get it done, mm-hmm. and and you know, credit to them for that. But you know what we're seeing? We're seeing some of these draft picks of Dave Ziegler's starting to show that they actually belong in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, O'Connell had a tough time dealing with Khalil Mack when they played the Chargers, but he didn't play all that bad. Mm-hmm. You know, Michael Meyer, who was their second-round pick out of Notre Dame, the tight end, he was tremendous yesterday because mm-hmm. Belichick was not going to let Devontae Adams beat him. And even, you know, they brought Trey Tucker on the field, and he had a really good game. You know, mm-hmm. so these guys they drafted, at least on the offensive side of the ball, are showing that they can play the NFL. Now, can they sustain it over – a long period and keep growing and keep producing, we shall see. But at least they're getting production out of these guys. They can't just all be on Devontae or Jacoby Myers. It's kind of like the Aces situation now in the WNBA Finals. If they're not going to let Jackie Young or Chelsea Gray beat them, somebody else for the Aces is going to have to step up for them to win the series. So it's kind of a similar mentality for the Raiders, but you know, football, you've got all sorts of different opportunities than you do in basketball. So, you know, you got special teams, you've got obviously a defense that can make big plays. And then you've got guys on offense who could produce at least keep possession and keep moving the ball down the field and, and eventually score. You know, Real quick, the Raiders still are having trouble executing in the red zone and getting touchdowns and, and having to settle for field goals. You know, four, 
four field goals from Daniel Carlson yesterday, and which was obviously a positive considering he missed two long ones against Green Bay last Monday. But they've got to figure that out. And, and Josh McDaniel said as much after the game. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you because I, I haven't had the opportunity to ask you, and I'm, I'm not in Vegas a lot. I will be next week. But um, there's a lot being made about my team, the Rams, and their fans and how the discrepancy between the away fans and the home fans are. And I'm seeing a lot of people on, on social media talk about the Raiders being the same aspect where you bring in a team like the Steelers and it's overwhelming Steelers fans. It's much like the Rams where you bring in the Niners and the Eagles and it's 60-40, 70-30 Eagles and Niners yeah. fans. I just want to ask you, do you – is is there a, a rhyme or a reason for why that happens? I know that that you know Las Vegas is new to the NFL thing, and that the Raiders are kind of a new team in that area. Obviously, they were from Oakland with a huge fan base. So you, you know, moving locations is never going to bode well with 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 fans. But is there any other is there any other rhyme or reason to, as to why this keeps happening to these teams that build? Because look, Allegiant Stadium is a beautiful stadium. SoFi Stadium is a beautiful stadium. You should you would think that a lot of these fans would go to these games and support that team. In the Rams' case, I, I think it's just the pricing, the resellers, all that stuff. You know, the Rams, there's, there's a bunch of people in SoCal, Niners, Cowboys fans, whatever. But in Las Vegas, I, I just want to see what your thoughts are about that because it's kind of similar between the Raiders and the Rams. Well, Las Vegas is a destination for tourists. Mm. Let, let, let's begin there. Second, the Raiders have not been good for quite a while. All right, and and they have the most expensive tickets in the league. It's very pricey to go to a Raiders game. So if you're a Raiders season ticket holder, the team's been struggling. You're probably putting your tickets out on the secondary market for sale. Yeah. Now traditionally, teams like the Steelers and the Packers, they travel really well. They would go anywhere to mm-hmm. follow their team. So, and, and by the way, there were a good number of New England fans at the game yesterday, as bad as the Patriots have been. Right. And, and we're going to see this in two weeks, in three weeks, when the Giants come to Vegas to play the Raiders. You're going to see a ton of Giant fans. The following week, the Jets are here. You're going to see a ton of Jets fans. And, and who knows, maybe even Aaron Rodgers plays in that game. I mean, <laughs> he was actually out on the field yesterday at MetLife. Yeah. Throwing balls before the game. Now, granted, you know, he's not in game shape yet. He's just a few weeks removed from the surgery on his Achilles. But, I mean, that could change the Jets' fortunes dramatically, even, you know, even though they beat the Eagles yesterday. But it's a popular place to go. If you're coming from a cold-weather city later in the year, like when the Vikings play the Raiders in December, you're going to see a ton of Minnesota fans, regardless of whether the Vikings are good or bad. And and to me, the Vikings and the Raiders are almost on parallel tracks with the way they play. And mm-hmm. there's quarterback issues on both teams. There's, you know, key injuries with both teams. But it's it's something that bothers the Mark Davis, the owner. It, it's, it really gnaws at him that the Raider fans are not, flocking to the games. Now, here's the other problem, Grant. If you look at their makeup of their season ticket base, it's not overwhelmingly made up of Las Vegas residents. Mm -hmm. 
You've got a lot of season ticket holders from L.A., from the Bay Area, from Utah, northern Nevada, southern Arizona, or northern Arizona. And so you've got this amalgamation, if you will, of your fan base coming from different directions, and they're traveling just like the visiting team's fans are traveling. And they're just, some fans just say to hell with it. It's not worth making the, the trip, you know, the, the airline ticket, the hotel room, the meals, gambling, whatever we do, if the team's not winning. Now, if the Raiders could kind of keep this thing going a little, you might see that change. But I think to answer your question, it all comes down to winning. If the Raiders are winning and and the fan base knows that this is a team that can get to the playoffs and even make a run at the Super Bowl at some point, they'll show up. No, you're definitely right on that one, Carpy. Um, guys, let's leave it there for now. When we get back, we will be joined by the Sporting Tribune's own Fernando Ramirez when we come back on the Mighty 290 ESPN Radio in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan, sorry, The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Just as a reminder, guys, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline at 310-400-0340. All right, enough of that promo stuff. Let's get out to the Sporting Tribune guest hotline. Talk to the Sporting Tribune's own Fernando Ramirez. Fernando, how are you doing, man? How was your weekend? Good, good, good. Just uh, watching football, trying to um, man. I- you know, it's hard on Friday with that blown lead by Colorado. I couldn't believe that happened. Uh, I saw a lot of people on Twitter the next morning go, I went to bed and it was 29-0 and, and uh, they blew the lead. And then obviously you saw that guy. I don't know if you saw that, the guy that was crying uh, after the game. You could tell that dude lost a huge bet and his girlfriend didn't know or whoever was consoling him. But, uh, but yeah, that's how my weekend got started. It was good. How about yours? Uh, it was uh, same, same, right? Like just a lot of disappointing. I don't want to say disappointing football, but a lot of disappointing betting maybe is a better <laughs> word for that. Um, yeah, that Colorado upset was insane, um, especially to bring it into overtime. Um, it's it's interesting that guys do that. By the way, I mean maybe I'm just more more of an understanding kind of a girlfriend because I do bet 
So like, there's a lot of girls out there that are just going to sit there and be like, you lost how much money on what? And so um, I just found that extraordinarily funny that you brought that up. Um, speaking of betting, um, I wanted to talk to you about SC because SC's loss, I think was a little bit more gut wrenching than I think we're seeing the writing on the wall a little bit for Colorado versus SC. We had these high expectations, right? Of them at least competing for a national title. Now with this Notre Dame loss, um, where were you? I want to talk to you about that Notre Dame loss and, um, or that SC loss to Notre Dame and, um, you know, maybe what can they, what the heck can they do to fix it? Can they fix it? I mean, I get it. The defense is atrocious, but I mean, there's got to be some kind of cure. Well, I mean, the cure was uh, our offense is going to beat your defense. We're going to outscore you. That just didn't happen. And, and Caleb Williams, um, I had my questions about him just because, uh, especially this week when uh, anonymous scouts came out for ESPN and said that if the draft was right now and it was Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Williams, or Trevor Lawrence, and Caleb Williams were coming out. They would choose Caleb Williams. I'm like, mm, all right, I need to watch this guy a little bit more because, I mean, I, he's talented, and I've met him a couple of times. Great kid. But I'm like, there has to be something there. And I watched his game, and he just looked like a deer in the headlights at times. Uh, I could tell uh, Notre Dame would switch their – uh, their defensive coverages at certain amount of times. So they would be in one uh, one defense, and then right before the ball was snapped, they'd switch to something else. They kind of threw him off, but some of his passes, some of his interceptions were just, they were blatantly on him. It wasn't like receivers were popping it up or anything like that. It was on him. So uh, he looked, he, he looked, uh, he didn't look very, particularly very good. So uh, obviously that hurts a little bit, but it's going to have to get back to the drawing board. I mean, what can your offense do to improve your defense? You have some individual players on there who are good, but the thing is you don't play as a unit. And I've seen on Twitter, people are like, oh, they should fire the defensive coordinator. Sometimes that doesn't work, especially because who's going to, who, you always have to remember who's going to replace that individual. And I mean, are they any better? So um, I'm just a little bit, uh, I, I was a little bit surprised but not uh, by the results because they literally got blown out, but I wasn't surprised that they lost. I thought going into that game, that was a dangerous game, especially the way that USC had been playing as of late where they were letting lesser teams kind of get the better of them. And now obviously for Notre Dame, they were, uh, they were juiced up for this one, especially losing to Louisville. Then you lose that close game to, uh, to Ohio State on the very last, on the last play so um but it's it just uh it, it was one of those things where usc literally has to get back to the drawing board and and uh figure out what they need to do moving forward because i mean it, it's tough the pack the whatever the pack 12 or whatever is gonna be it's gonna be tough this year especially with some of the washington just looks like a powerhouse right now oregon's gonna be tough so it, yeah my, i'm sorry for go, going long-winded but it's just uh USC has a lot of questions uh, to answer, and I just don't know if they have the the answers to all those questions. Yeah, I mean, I was, I just feel so bad for Caleb just because he is shouldering a huge load that I don't think, you know, you should be shouldering as a quarterback and as just a football team in general, right? To depend on one guy. That's not football, right? I, mean, exactly. I think that was... That was my disappointing factor, I think, in SC's squad, specifically in the offense. And I get it. The offense is going to be better than the D at this current moment of time. I think we all saw that coming into this season. The only bad part is, too, my bad real quick, is no, that people are coming out and they're making crap up. And I think it hurts Caleb a little. Like, 
somebody came out and said, oh, Caleb Williams is telling agents that he wants part of the team or part owner, a piece of ownership of a team when he uh, when he decides to cut went by whatever team drafts him. I'm like, why are you guys, like if that if that's true, then wow. But I don't think it is. But stop making stuff up because it's going to make this kid look even worse. And uh, it's going to make this kid look worse. And obviously, like I said, I've met him two, three times. He's a great kid. I thought he was really uh, genuine. I thought I, I don't see that. I've seen some people say that maybe he's a little bit of a diva and stuff, but I didn't see diva from him when I met him. But um, but yeah, they're just everybody just kind of needs to uh, relax on him and just let him finish the season out and then evaluate him. Don't start doing all this stuff. Like when USC or when ESPN does that kind of stuff, where they're like, "Oh, we take Killer Williams over Trevor Lawrence and uh, Joe Burrow," that hurts him uh, because then everybody's gonna really use a microscope to um, to evaluate him. And obviously, you don't want to do that. You want to you want to let him just finish out his season and then evaluate him and see uh, where he's at. But um, but yeah, I just that's just my uh, two cents on on that. Yeah, I mean, I think he got really humbled last season by Notre Dame. So I think that, like, I don't foresee him doing this. Like, that's that's one wild accusation to be tossing out there that somebody wants part ownership going into the yeah. working season. I mean, that's 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 a lot. That's a lot. Um, I want to switch gears over to professional football, to the NFL. Um, I thought you were going to say professional wrestling. I was like, all right, let's do it. No, I'm I know. I also, I was going to save the best for last and go into Okay, okay. No, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, so, but, so, let's go. No, let's, we, I mean, we can go into it right now if you really, really want to talk about it. No, 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 no. Let's do, let's do the NFL and we'll save the best for last. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Um, but so Cowboys are going uh, up against the Chargers. It's going to be a home game. Let's get real. I mean, as much as I wish that SoFi was packed with home, home team fans, it's just – it is what it is. Um, Chargers two and two. I mean, they're just Chargers are going to charge. I guess that's the saying. Um, what do you see them? Do you see them competing against Dallas? Do you see them? You know, uh, what do you what do you see for this game um, and for the Chargers in the future too? Because this is kind of concerning for me at least. Yeah. Yeah. No. So obviously, I do see them competing. I think it's going to be a close game. Honestly, this is what I tell people. I understand that people get frustrated and stuff by the charge, but I'm like, at the same time, you're always going to get a good game. Like, no matter what, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be close. Some weirdo stuff is going to happen, but uh, but at the end of the day, it's going to be a good game. You're going to be entertained. That's that's one thing that they do. They're a little bit like, uh, like WWE in that sense. They're going to entertain you no matter what. Um, but I think it's going to be a close game. There's two things working right now. Obviously, Kellen Moore versus Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy said, I want to run the damn ball. And Kellen Moore wants to be more flashy. He's a young guy. He wants to be more flashy. Well, obviously, Kellen Moore was being groomed to be the head coach. And uh, go to the Sporting Tribune and check out my uh, my piece that I wrote, McCarthy versus uh, versus Kellen Moore. They're saying it's not personal, but in my opinion, I think it's it's more than uh, than what they're letting on. Uh, Jerry Jones, uh, was I thought, was grooming Kellen Moore to be the future head coach of uh, – of the Dallas Cowboys, all of a sudden he fires them, and uh, and the Chargers pick him up. Not even 24 hours, the Chargers uh, pick him up as the OC. He's helped the Chargers. Fourth quarter scoring for the Chargers, they're fifth in the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys are uh, 28th. Last year, the Chargers were 18th, and the Cowboys were number one. So uh, they the Chargers' points per game have gone up. The Cowboys has gone down. 
the Cowboys offense looks like a mess. The Chargers offense looks like it's uh, rolling a bit. I mean, I know, you know Mike Williams, that's that's definitely going to hurt uh, moving forward. That's the one factor that I think I don't think the Chargers offense is going to overcome unless Quentin Johnston, their first overall pick or their number, their first round pick turns it on. But uh, it's all going to depend on him. But um, but I, I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be an interesting game, but uh, who did I pick? No, I, I actually did end up picking the Chargers to win this game. I just think Dallas is uh, – I don't think Dallas is who everybody thinks that they are. I've been saying it's from the beginning. I know they started off 2-0. Everybody was riding their coattails. Trevon Diggs get, goes down. I thought that was a huge loss for them. Uh, I don't think they've been the same without Trevon Diggs. Uh, I think the Chargers are going to run the football a lot. They get Austin Eckler back. They get Joey Bosa back. They get Derwin James back. I think that's going to be a huge factor in this game. Um, I, and I think I read I read this stat from one of the 49er beat writers. The, the team that plays the 49ers the next week are 0-15 in the last 15 uh, games. So the 49ers just played the Cowboys last weekend, and they play the Chargers now. Last year, the same thing happened. Miami went. They were a high-powered offense. Everybody loved Miami. Miami goes and plays the 49ers. 49ers blow them out, and then they come, and they're kind of lack, lackadaisical against the Chargers and lost to the Chargers as well. So I kind of see some – but then the Cowboys haven't lost back-to-back games since 2020. So uh, so there's something there. One, one of those is going to have to give. So I, I say that the Chargers beat the Cowboys barely, though, like 27-24, uh, something like that. But, um, <clears throat> but I just – I don't buy the Cowboys right now. I think Dak Prescott is – I think he's in his own head. I think him and CeeDee Lamb have a little bit of uh, – I think there's something there with CeeDee Lamb, Dak Prescott, and Mike McCarthy. I think all three of them are kind of in their own uh, world right now, and, and you have to be cohesive. You have to be in, together, and I just don't see it. I, I, see, this, I see this team disconnected, So uh, that, but that's the problem. Every single year, this is our year, and they go into the season, and it all just unravels. So that's just my opinion, but uh, – but, yeah, I think the Chargers do pull this one out and they get to three and two, especially because you have a huge matchup next week against Kansas City. Um, that could That's for the division lead. So uh, so I see the Chargers winning this one and setting up a huge matchup against KC next week. I mean, I always love to hear stuff like that just because you know I'm a Giants fan and we're just god-awful. That was holding, by the way. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I don't know why you can't be the ref. In the, he's literally right in front of him. It makes no sense. It made no sense. If you watch the replay, it's holding the entire play. Like the thing is, I think I think the refs are in their own heads right now. And with all the stuff going up uh, around about the, the Chiefs, that the Chiefs have gotten help the last three weeks at the end of games. Uh, I think the refs are trying not to call uh, stuff late in the game that cost somebody a game or whatever. Yeah. I think they're in their own heads, to be honest. Uh, so I feel like they're they're kind of in their own heads as well, where they're kind of like, "Oh crap!" Like let's not let's not make something that we call uh, ruin the game. But that was that was a like if if you looked up in the dictionary, holding <laughs> you're gonna get that a picture of that every single week. So. That was just a terrible non-call, but um, but yeah, I, I think the rest. I mean, the rest had a horrible weekend, by the way. I mean, how many people weren't kicked out of games? All these personal fouls. All it was just some of this stuff to me was like I was just like, dude, what is this? Like, 
I'm like, Dick Budkiss, who just passed away, R.I.P., is rolling in his grave with half of these calls. I, I mean, it was just, it, I think the whole entire time was insane. They, unfortunately, in the very, very beginning, you know, when the fight, all the fights break out, um, before oh, the ball even gets snapped in that Sunday night game. It By the was, way, Josh uh, Allen, stay away from these bigger guys. They're going to, one day they're going to knock you out. Like I wouldn't be mixing with Dexter Lawrence and uh, and Leonard Williams. Like, Williams, what yeah. are you doing trying to check them? Like, you're gonna get hurt, and Haley, whatever the hell her name is, is gonna be all sad that her man got knocked out. And I would uh, I would chill if I was uh, if I was him. You know, I mean, here's the thing. I get it. I get that people are like in the moment they're trying to stick up for their boys and like all that other stuff. So I get is you know him trying to be fired up and be like, okay, I'm gonna like try to protect these guys, but trust me, they don't need protecting. I think that they need to yeah. protect you and buy it instead of the other way I around. I think those guys can handle themselves. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's going from the Bills kept on instigating everything. Yeah. In that. Like, they, at the beginning, like you said, at the begin on the first uh, kickoff or whatever, he was the one that was starting stuff, and, and yeah. uh, I think the Giants just got frustrated, and they were like, you know what, screw this, but dude, I'm, I'm nervous that Brian Dable one day is going to have a heart attack on that sideline, like, <laughs> the way he get no, and I'm serious. Like the way he like blew up like three or four times yesterday. Like I was like, dude, like relax. Like your blood yeah. pressure must be through the roof. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Being a being a coach in general is not healthy. I don't think for a lot of people. No, being a it's not. Coach, being a football coach is definitely not healthy no. for you. Um, all those hours that they put in and all that. Um, speaking of hours being put in, I'm sure McVay finally put in a little bit of hours. Um, as far as play calling is concerned for this Rams Cardinals game, I want to switch over to that game. Even though I love talking about my team and I like the fact that you brought them up because um, <laughs> we really get to talk about them. But um, yeah, I want to talk about the Rams. Uh, are the, is this a future for things to come? I mean, I know everybody never thought that the Rams would be three three right now. Um, I thought that they would be better than they than everybody thought that they would be. I don't I don't know if that makes any sense. But uh, no, 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 no. I completely. Yeah, no, I get yeah. you. Yeah, I thought that they were going to be a lot better, you know, with Tutu Atwell, with the addition of that, with the addition of, you know, Puka Nakua. Thank you for scoring me all those points, baby, throughout the fantasy huh. league. Um, and, you know, obviously with getting Cup back, I mean, that's just a blessing in and of itself to get him back this early. Granted, it's Arizona, but after this game, um, I believe, uh, when they play next, they play the Steelers at home. Um, there's no such thing as an easy win in the NFL. I don't care what anybody says. Even though they won 9-26 to against Arizona, there's no such thing as an easy win. Where do you see the Rams going from here? Um, see, I'm not that big of an optimist when it comes to the Rams. I think they're okay, but like, if if they got the... Like, I kind of wanted them to get the number one overall pick because I kind of wanted to see... Uh, I wanted to see Caleb Williams uh Maybe with uh, Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, I think they have a good building block. But uh, I'm not as high on them as everybody else kind of is. Like, yeah, they had a good game yesterday, but they still struggled in the first half against the Cardinals. I think that kind of uh, struggle against anybody else is going to hurt, uh, especially kind of some of the better teams. I don't think they're a playoff team, but I think they're a middle of the pack, like at an 8 and 9 uh, seven and uh, seven and ten. I'm still getting used to it being 17 games. Uh, so I, I think they're still the pack team. I don't think they're bad, but I'm honestly interested to see what's going to happen with uh, Sean McVay after the year. Like if they keep on, because 
The offensive line looks terrible. I, I thought the offensive line wasn't that very that good. Uh, I know that they picked it up in the second half, but I, I still see against the Steelers. The Steelers have a good TJ Watt could wreck havoc on uh, on Matthew Stafford. Um, so I, I just uh, I'm hesitant when it comes to them, but I think they're better than what uh, people thought they were going to be. And and, uh, and but I still I'm still hesitant on saying they're a playoff team or. Or they're going to make the playoffs. So as of right now, I think they're going to be okay. I think their offense is going to score points. I think their defense, man, the future of that defense is going to be pretty good. I, I, I know that they had some rough patches yesterday, but I think that defense is uh, I think that defense is a lot better than what people think they are. And I think they're only going to grow and get better from here. But I'm really impressed with the defensive side of the football with them. So I think moving forward, they're going to be fine. But I'm just hesitant about some of the stuff on offense. I think they get lackadaisical at times, and, and uh, they go three and out. So um, I'm hesitant saying, oh, yeah, the Rams are, are a good football team or they can make the playoffs. So as of right now, I just don't think they will. But I don't think they're a bad team. I think they're going to compete. Um, I definitely agree with you. Let's get to the best part of this show. The WWE oh. Raw starts uh, season career um, match that starts tonight. What, um, what are you looking most forward to? Um, tonight for Raw, and I also want to ask you about the creative side right now that Vince McMahon is being pushed out of um, the creative side of it all in the WWE. Yeah, Vince has done a great job for years, but it's time. Triple H's time. He's doing such a great job. Look at who they just brought in. Like They're bringing in stars. I think the biggest thing is, too, Triple H has a vision. MJF is about to be a free agent. The WWE needs Cody Rhodes and Triple H on that to get him to WWE. I think that's why now uh, Triple H is in control of it. So I think that's the smartest part. Uh, the one thing I'm really interested on and in, in, in how this is going to shift over is Roman Reigns told uh, Roman Reigns told Jimmy on uh, Friday, I need you guys to worry about those tag team titles and getting them off your brother. So on Monday Night Raw, could we see... Uh, J Jimmy and uh, and Solo pop up and and uh, challenge the uh, Jay and Cody Rhodes. That's going to be interesting, but uh, but definitely Monday Night Raw. I, it's an exciting time right now in WWE. I'm excited about the future of it. So let's go. It's an exciting time. Uh, make sure everybody enjoys it because Triple H is now in full control. The King of Kings is in control. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. I'm just really excited for the future of the WWE in general. Um, you're right. It's time. It's time to move on. So we're moving on, guys. That's all she wrote for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Thank you so much, Fernando, for uh, for being here and hooking us up with all this amazing information. Until tomorrow, guys, this is the Arash Markazi Show saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.